All right, welcome to day, I think it's 11, of uh, morning prayers here uh, in Doug's basement, also known as Morning Prayer Central here for Easton Fellowship. Um, hey, we did a little, uh, made a little mistake yesterday. I actually read the wrong passage. I, uh, I went a day ahead. And so yesterday we were in Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus was praying. That is actually the passage of today. And so I am going to, uh, we're actually going to backtrack by one day. And so I'm going to read the passage that I should have read yesterday. Um, it's actually a short passage from, uh, from the book of Matthew. And that's what's going to be our text for today. Um, so we are uh, still, uh, we're just getting to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, but it's before Jesus pulls away from the group so that he can pray and really steal himself. And that is what we were looking at yesterday. So we are in Matthew chapter 26, but we are going to be backtracking just one passage uh, to verse 31. So we're in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. And this is uh, where we're going to pick up. Then Jesus told them, uh, just one other thing, in verse 30, you'll see that like when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So they, they've just had Passover, and now they are uh, they are going to the Mount of Olives. Uh, we know that from the, the Gospel of John, uh, one of the things that happens is they, 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 they're walking and talking at the same time. Uh, and so the, the famous passage where Jesus talks about, like, I am the vine, you are the branches, that is happening while they're walking uh, on their way. They have to go around the city uh, to get to the Mount of Olives where uh, Gethsemane happens, which is, again, the passage that we hit yesterday. We're going back one passage today. Um, so we, we don't know if this is where, when Jesus is talking to his disciples uh, in the passage we're about to read. Does that happen while they're already at the Mount of Olives, or is that happening while they're walking? I don't know that that really changes it or that you needed to know that, but it's what popped into my mind. And so I said it and it's morning prayers. And so, you know, it's all, everything's unhinged at this point. Verse 31, Matthew 26. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. I uh, want to say hello to the folks who are joining us for morning prayers this morning. Michael Colby, hello. Uh, I know that as a, a seven on the Enneagram, if you don't get that shout out, um, that's that's a real tough one for you. Uh, Melissa Mays, good to see you here. Uh, my wife and kids upstairs, uh, Sarah Maida. Uh, Todd and or April Milby have joined us from Greenville, South Carolina. Good to see you all. Uh, so we've just read Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Um, again, we had to we had to go back a day because I, I read a passage ahead. Um Today, the thing that has really stuck out to me is uh, the cost of leadership and, and what that looks like, what that feels like from this passage today, um, and the way that Jesus continues to love them in this moment, uh, even as everything is, everything is coming together on this giant collision course 
And the, the thing that's really going to hit him right now is like the relational cost. Um, you have, the, again, these group of people who are incredibly close. Uh, they have spent three years together. Um, they don't, they're sleeping outside, probably around campfires. Um, every once in a while, every once in a while, maybe they get to get into a bed. Um, Jesus spent at least half of that three years in public ministry on retreats with these 12 people. And so they are incredibly close. And he knows what's about to happen. He knows they're all about to run away. He quotes this, this, uh, the passage, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And it's like, bros, this is going to be you. It's coming. Uh, you are all going to scatter like dust in the wind. And it is, it is going to happen. And, and again, what, the thing that we see with Jesus is he just continues to go anyway. He knows what he has been called to do. He knows what it is going to cost him physically. The, this passage reminds us uh, what it's going to cost him relationally. The thing I, I'm thinking about this morning is simply uh, the cost of leadership. Now, for, for you as a leader, um, it's, it's important to recognize like everyone has leadership responsibility. Um, so you can be a, uh, you can be just a, a single person who is working in an hourly job and you still have leadership responsibilities because leadership is ultimately like the spheres of influence that God has put in your life to take spiritual responsibility for. That's really going to be where uh, everyone is going to have some measure of leadership. Some people have official roles within leadership. Some people um, are, are going to be doing that expression of leadership and authority uh, more organically just by virtue of being uh, of people who are representing Jesus. But the thing that, that you see here over and over again, whether you're leading um, your kids, whether you're leading a spouse, whether it is that you are like wh- whoever it is that you are leading, um, however big an organization you might be leading, there is a cost to it. And the thing that we see here uh, Jesus doing is just continuing to move forward with steadiness anyway. And he, he is able to do something that um, I, I don't know that I'd seen before exactly here in this passage in verse 32. He says this, he says, but after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Um, what, what Jesus is doing here, and it's, very, it's, a, it's a very small thing, um, he is, the, but this is how he is loving them in this moment, is they are, they're getting ready to completely disown him. They're, they've all made vows to never betray him. That's all coming. And he is already giving them a kind of like heads up instruction for what to do on the other side of this thing. Um, sorry, I got a I got a, a notice from Zoom that uh, I've been signed out, and <laughs> I thought I was being signed out of Facebook Live. Uh, so that's awkward, you know. Live recording; these are the things that happen. Um, yeah, so that he uh, he he's, he is essentially saying like, "There's the resurrection is coming." He says, "But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee." He's giving them a kind of instruction as to like, "Here's where you can find me on the other side of this thing." It's as if he's able to see beyond the fact that you're all about to disown me tonight. You're all making vows that you're going to break. You're all going to say that you never knew me. You're going to disappear. Only one of you is even going to be with me at the foot of the cross, the, the um, disciple John, who is going to be with his mother. Everyone else is going to disappear, but we are going to make it through this thing. And on the other side, 
here's where I'm going to be. You can expect to find me in Galilee. It's an amazing thing to think about. Like, here Jesus is in the, the like the emotional crux of this moment. And we know from the next passage, like, he is he is really struggling. Like he is he is praying with such intensity that he is sweating drops of blood. He is almost begging his father, like, if there's another way, please, let's go with that other way, but not my will, but your will be done. Um, and he is he is so committed to these people. He has such a sense of what the Father is building in their hearts uh, and the church that is to come, um, that though they are about to do these despicable things to him, um, he is able to absorb it and have a picture and a future for them beyond this event. And I think that is that is an incredible picture of what it looks like to lead well and something for us to think about this morning. Um, there is, uh, in any kind of leadership, whether whether you're just leading a person or five people or thousands of people, there, like with, in, with good leaders, there is an absorption. You are absorbing a lot of the things that are, that are put to you, uh, and you need to hold them into yourself and not give it back. Um, and you need to have a picture for the people that God has entrusted to you and given you spiritual responsibility for um, of what he sees for their life on the other side of that particular thing. Um, Jesus is constantly talking about, like, you have eyes, but you do not see. You have ears, but you do not hear. Uh, this is what it looks like, I think, in many ways uh, to, to be a good leader, is that you have eyes um, to see this person who is sitting in front of you, who is doing something to you, or doing something that is just like, man, I wish you would make a different decision, that you would have eyes to see them, the way that the Father sees them. That is a supernatural, spiritual gift. Um, you cannot do that without the lens, without the power, without the access to the Holy Spirit to see what the Father sees so that you can have a picture of what God wants to do for them in their life uh, that you, perhaps in your own mind, do not have an imagination for. Um, I, I imagine that each of us today are going to be in situations uh, with people that uh, perhaps we are leading. Uh, if you are uh, a parent, that could be a kid that you are leading, and you they the kids are doing things to you, and you're wondering, what is your life going to be like <laughs> on the other side of this? Um, and because right now, I think I might just throw something at you, as we are all trapped in this house together. Um, I, I think there is a there's this the supernatural power that we're going to need today. Um, to lead the people God has given a spiritual responsibility to, for well. Um, so I want to kind of end on that note. I mean, I think the other thing, there's, there's one other thing, because I, I think I have this, I, I've always enjoyed this picture, uh, thinking about what Jesus was able to accomplish on the cross. The thing that Jesus was able to do, and you see him doing it here relationally, but you see it on the cross in a much more physical way, is that he was able to absorb all of the violence and give none of the violence back. He was able to take all of the pain and not give any of it back. He was able to absorb all of the sin, yet was without sin. He was able to take all of the jeers, but was never giving any of them back. He was able to absorb and absorb and absorb, um, yet he was the only one in the history of humanity um, who was able to like take it in and turn it into something that was far more powerful than what he was given, um, and that was to only ever return love. Um, 
if you if you've listened to me on on morning prayers with any regularity you know that like that is probably something that uh that i struggle with uh not reacting uh particularly when i think about my kids but like in any kind of work situation um relationships things like that like it's it's very hard for my my natural reaction to be i'm going to absorb what is thrown and i am not going to turn something back um that isn't love my natural inclination is not to return love my natural inclination is to return something else and what that tells me uh, is that i need more of the spirit's work in my life we see in jesus on the cross someone who can absorb someone in in here in this passage someone who can take the like yes we'll never will never forsake you knowing that they are going to forsake him and not like want to poke them uh, and be mean to them or, or or do any number of things right here, but actually is caring for them in the moment and is like, here's where you're going to meet me after resurrection. That's just crazy to think about. He's giving them in, like just little bits of instruction on the other side of what's going to happen when he's being resurrected. All right. Let's, uh, let's look at our watchword for the day. We've got two passages that we're going to read. Again, the, the purpose of the watchword uh, is to help us orient our hearts for the day. Excuse me. Wow, my voice is cracking like a 13-year-old. Uh, help us, help us uh, orient our, our hearts for the day. Psalm 38, 18, I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Maybe we can, we can pause here in morning prayers. Uh, and in our hearts or even out loud, we could actually do that. I confess my iniquity. I'm sorry for my sin. What is, it, what is the sin that we are sorry for that we need to confess? James talks about, um, there, there's, a, there's a passage in James about confession that is completely blanking uh, my mind. And yeah, he, he, basically confession is good. <laughs> we should do that. Uh, Psalm 38, 18, I confess my iniquity. I'm sorry for my sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. That, that is one of those verses that uh, if, we're, if we're thinking about what are we going to take away, we think about our the Bible tool that we use. What is the text saying? What is the spirit stirring in me? What am I going to take away? That second Corinthians verse might be a good one to walk away with and to really chew on uh, for the rest of the day. Maybe write that like on a note in your phone or write it on a note card and put it in your pocket for the day and just look at it every once in a while. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. So with our, with our thoughts about, um, we've read passages on um, confession, we've read passages uh, about being sorry for sin, passages on repentance and salvation, and being able to live as someone with no regrets, uh, as we've read a passage that is Jesus absorbing like the relational fallout that he is experiencing as things are coming to a close at the end of his earthly life, let's, uh, let's turn to the Father and close with this prayer. Merciful God, forgive us, we pray. As far as the east is from the west, remove our sins from us. Cleanse our hearts and free us from the weight of guilt and regret. Amen.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us here on day 11 edition or day 12 or whatever day it is. Here we are in quarantine. Um, thanks for being with us. This should be going up live on the podcast as well. You can follow along at East End Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We will see you tomorrow. Later. <laughs>